you can learn to implement the triple power of killer show notes if you do what I tell you on this episode of Podcastification. My name is Kerry Green, and I am the Client Happiness Guy at PodcastFastTrack.com, and this is Podcastification. This show is all about podcasting, how to do it, how not to do it, best practices, interesting news items that have to do with the realm of podcasting, and who knows what else. And I'm trying to do it all with a little bit of fun and some information to help you get a show going, keep yours going, or make it better. And if you like what's going on here on the show, I would appreciate it, oh, so appreciate it, if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. You can find out how to do that at podcastfasttrack.com slash review. That's enough of that kind of stuff. Let's get you podcastificated right away. Welcome back to the Podcastification Podcast. I am Carrie Green, and what you're going to hear on this episode is a presentation that I was asked to give at DC PodFest in fall of 2016, and this presentation was entitled The Triple Power of Killer Show Notes, and I just walked through step-by-step what the Podcast Fast Track team does to create show notes for our clients, and I have to admit, some of it's a little time intensive, some of it isn't, but it's something you can apply instead of paying us to do it. So here it is, my presentation from DC PodFest. I'm from Colorado. This is partly my neighborhood, so I just thought for those of you who like to live vicariously, I would give you a little bit of an, an image of where I'm coming from. Just a little bit about myself for the sake of legitimacy here. I'm Kerry Green. I call myself the client happiness guy at my company, Podcast Fast Track, and we do audio editing and show notes production for podcasters. So not a sales pitch, just to tell you, I kind of know a little bit about show notes because it's part of what I deal with every day. Um, We have 30 clients that we write show notes for. We've kind of put together a system for how we do it. And I'm going to tell you every step of our system that we do. You're welcome to copy it, modify it, tweak it, make it better, whatever works for you if you need to learn this kind of stuff. But before we go there, I want to talk about why show notes are important. And that's the triple power that I'm talking about. There's three purposes, in my view, of killer show notes. And what I mean by killer is show notes that really work, show notes that are truly beneficial, show notes that matter. How many of you love doing show notes? Yeah, one person out of a room. So it's one of those pain points that just really stinks. I mean, unless you're a writer and you just love to write. Most people don't enjoy show notes, but that's why we do what we do, and that's why I want to teach you how to make it better. Number one, it's a terrific listener resource, and there's two points here. First of all, smartphones change everything. If you've noticed, if you use a podcasting app of any sort, when you're listening to an episode, you can swipe right, swipe left, swipe up, swipe down. You can swipe somehow and get the show notes for that episode. So you need to be thinking about that when you're creating show notes. That listener, if they're on a treadmill, they're out on a walk, whatever, and you mention a resource, they now have the ability to swipe to those show notes, hit a link, and go right to that resource immediately on their smart device. 
Whereas in the past, when it was on a website, well, they have to try to remember, oh, yeah, that link about that cool app, I need to go and find that. Well, now they don't have to remember. They can just go to it just like that. So that's one of the reasons I feel like show notes is so powerful is because you're able to actually serve your listener base in a more significant, immediate way now because you can provide them the resources right away. You can also provide your contact information, your opt-ins, your offers, all through that show notes page that's going to show up on the app. So don't underestimate that. And I would suggest if you're going to include those kinds of things, especially your contact information, you include it at the top of your show notes, at least on the feed that's going out to the apps. Because then if they swipe to the show notes, they don't have to scroll down the page and hunt for where to contact you. They can just hit it right away, send you an email on the spot, whatever it is that you're using for contact info. That's the first thing. It's a terrific listener resource. The second is it serves as an organic traffic magnet. And I'm talking about internet-wise, not necessarily on the podcast apps. This is important because, as you all know, the internet is getting noisier and noisier and noisier. More people hawking more things, trying to get attention. That's part of why we're all here. You guys made a great point of that in the last one. You know, we all want to be noticed for what we're talking about. And this organic traffic issue is a big deal. It's one of those things that I feel like uh, really needs to be taken seriously. So what we do on ours is keyword research on every set of show notes. And it's not really that hard. It's really not. You can use Google Keyword Tool. It's a free service. You can go in and put in your keywords that you think your episode is good for. And within a matter of two, three minutes, you can have this big list of possible keywords and keyword phrases that you can optimize your show notes for. And you don't have to do it artificially. You don't have to like keyword stuff. I mean, you've talked about a whole episode's worth of content already. It's naturally about a topic or about a particular keyword. You just have to find the one that more people are searching for and optimize for that. Now, long tail, how many of you are familiar with the term long tail? Long tail keyword basically means a keyword phrase, not just one word. So, for instance, I have a new show notes writer who's learning the ropes. He, he just optimized a set of show notes for the word business. How successful do you think we're going to be ranking for the word business? We're not. Because there's just so many people with higher profiles than us or our clients who are going to rank for the word business. We're, we don't have a chance. But if we had a keyword phrase like uh, black women in business, for example, I have a client called Happy Black Woman Podcast. And if I did that... Okay, sorry, man. Sorry, man. Yeah. You'll have to talk to Rosetta. She's the one who came up with that. You know, we've got a lot better chance now because there are people searching for that phrase, not just one word like business. So that's what I mean by keyword research long tail. You also have to have truly relevant content when you're doing your keyword optimization for SEO. So you're not going to optimize your show notes around black women in business if your show's about a white guy who's, you know, doing some homebrew craft thing, you know, you don't want to do that. You want to find organic keywords that match your topic and create your show notes around that. Keep in mind, this is, this is a beneficial resource for your listener or for people who are coming through Google search and they find your show notes. And, and your show notes purpose is to get those people to listen to your podcast, and hopefully subscribe to your podcast. And so when we create show notes, 
we're keeping in mind that organic traffic thing. The third thing is it's a motivation for your future guests. And I hadn't even thought about this until a potential client was hearing my pitch about what we could provide for them. And, and he, says, he says, well, you know, I see these show notes being a great tool for me to use. Say I've had Seth Godin on my podcast, and I write a good show notes page, and I have his picture, and I have links to all of his contact info. I can take that show notes page and put it in my invitation email to my next guest and say, this is how we're going to feature you on our website. This is how you're going to look on our page. This is the kind of exposure we're going to give you. And it serves as like bait to get that next guest that you really want to come in and be a part of your show. Cool. I can tell you exactly. It's, it's really simple. Show notes, in my view, are the description and resources for the episode you're dealing with posted either on your website or on your podcast feed in such a way that your listeners can access it, okay? Our company does it always on a client's website so that they are getting traffic to their website, okay? And it'll include a player for the episode. It'll include a way to subscribe. It'll include options for downloading that that episode, all of that. When you do your show notes on, let's say, Libsyn is our our host right now. So we do all of our show notes on Libsyn, but I also... Take all of my info, all of the episodes. I also put them on our on our website too to get it, so I can massage and make it look a little bit sure. better. Sure. Sure. Um, if I don't do any show notes on my personal website, but use the Libsyn feed and just put it over on my website, just taking the HTML or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, will, will I still be optimizing my website for my show notes, or do I have to cut and paste all of those words and links? It's a great question. It has to be on your website for your website to get. SEO juice from it, okay? The Libsyn dashboard has destinations, places you can send out that content to. One of theirs is, I don't know exactly what they call it, but it's a web page that Libsyn provides to you that's on their server, on their site. If you have that turned on, you will get SEO juice to that Libsyn page, okay? But not your website, okay? Yeah. 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 My my view is you want them coming to your site because that's where you have all your other good stuff. Yeah. So now there is the issue. Have you heard the, heard of the issue of duplicate content penalties that Google does? Okay. It's essentially Google saying if you've copied and pasted something from one website and put it on your website, you're stealing. We're gonna we're not gonna show your site because it's not your content. But here's the deal with Libsyn. I asked the folks at Libsyn about this, okay? If I have the exact same show notes on your website web page thing and on my web page thing, is there a danger of duplicate penalty content? They said no. Because it's you. It's all you. There's there's very little chance of that. So, you don't have to worry about that. If you're if you're scheduling these things out, schedule Libsyn a minute later than you schedule your website, and you've taken care of that. So, it's pretty simple. All right? So this motivation for future guests, that's the third triple power of killer show notes. I think it's a great tool to get future guests lured into being on your show. All right? So let's move on. And by the way, um, lunch is right after this, so I'm going to hang around if you guys have questions. So we can, we can extend this. All right, this is how we easily write show notes, sort of. Okay, and by sort of, I mean it's easy for us because we've been doing it for three years. It is going to be work at first. It's going to take time. You're going to have to learn a system that works for you. But you can pare things down and get it done pretty quickly once you have that system in place. For us, a 45-minute audio 
takes 55 to 75 minutes creation time for a set of show notes, okay? And we do that in these ways. First, we use high-speed audio playback. We use Audacity. That's the tool that we're using right now, or most of our editors, or show notes writers do. has a play at speed function, so you can turn it up to 1.8 or 1.7, whatever you can comprehend at a faster speed. And we're taking notes on the audio. Okay, now keep in mind, this is not our podcast. Okay, if it's your podcast, you're going to know the content a lot better. So you're going to be able to get those notes. You might even be able to do it as you're recording. Write a bullet point outline or whatever of what your guest shares or whatever. But for us, we're using high-speed audio playback because that helps us to speed up this process, okay? And we use Audacity to do that. All right, we use Google Docs. And the reason we use Google Docs, you don't have to, obviously. The reason we use Google Docs is because the first thing we're going to do is do a timestamp bullet point outline. The timestamps service in a couple of ways. Number one, it's a resource for our listeners to be able to say, oh, at 12.30 seconds, they covered this topic. That's what I really want to hear. So they can skip through, hear the thing that's really relevant to them. But another reason for Google Docs is because we're going to include all the resources mentioned as live links. Okay, Google Docs is really cool. If you put a bullet point, like down in your resources section or something, to Tim Ferriss's podcast about this topic, all you have to do is highlight that phrase, hit the link thing, and because it's Google Docs, it's connected to Google, and it's going to instantly search for that resource. And it'll pop up in a little window, and you just say, that's the one, okay. It instantly makes your link for you. You don't have to go searching for those things. So Google Docs is cool. Now, there's some troublesome things about Google Docs, too, which I'm going to get to in a minute. But this, is a, this link issue is a huge, huge time saver because you don't have to spend three minutes searching Google for the resource. It just finds it for you automatically. Now, it's not foolproof. Sometimes it won't find exactly what you're doing, and then it has an option you can open up and look at other options and, and find the right one. But that's one of the reasons we use Google Docs. We also do five summary paragraphs. You don't have to do five. There's no magic number about that. But we, we write five summary paragraphs about the episode, and we write them for the sake of the SEO stuff we were talking about. You need to have enough text content that you can include those keywords in a natural way. Okay? You don't want to write just for keywords. You want to write it as if somebody's reading it, and you want to draw them in to the content. Okay, so we write our paragraphs like the first paragraph will be introductory, and maybe toward the end of the paragraph it'll say, and on this episode he's going to talk about A, B, C, and D. And all of those things, we're trying to get people to say, hmm, that sounds interesting. I want to I listen. Okay, No way in this summary paragraph do we want to say all the magic bullet points, all the key points, everything they should. We don't want to do that. We want to lure people to listen. We want listeners. We want subscribers. We want downloaders. So we're not going to give away the farm in the summary paragraphs. We're just going to highlight the points and tease people in. The next I think it's the next point here, is that we include headers, catchy headers, to break up the content, to make it more visually appealing, okay? So interspersed within those five paragraphs are these headers that are main points or, or what the next paragraph's going to be about. And I would encourage you to think in terms of tweets. Write your headers like they would be a good tweet. You want it to be punchy, catchy, appealing, drawing people in. Giving them a sense of, yeah, this, man, this sounds really good. You know, kind of salacious if you want to think of it that way. Now, shy away from link bait. This is just a personal ethics issue. By link bait, I mean 
Don't put something in a header that you don't talk about. Don't say it in a way that's not absolutely true regarding what you talk about because people are going to start seeing you as a person who, like, bait and switches. You know, you promise this, but you don't deliver it. You don't want to do that. You want to write headers and write paragraphs that really cover what you're talking about on the episode. And you want to do it in a catchy way. Part of the reason we write them as tweets is also because we're going to reuse them as tweets in a moment. And I'll show you what we do on that. Grammarly.com is a great resource we use. We'll copy and paste our show notes once they're all finished. We'll go to Grammarly. We'll paste them in. And it's going to show us grammar issues. Grammarly's free. Okay, it has a free package, whatever you want to call it, that you can use. That's what we use. We don't pay for the, the professional thing because it gets like into a college grammar teacher kind of corrections. I don't care about that. I just want everyday grammar, make it readable, make it where there's no mistakes. It'll show you misspellings, those kind of things. So we use Grammarly. And then the next thing we're going to do is clean the HTML before we post it to Libsyn. Now, Libsyn's not the only media host, obviously. It's one we primarily work with. And the reason that you want to clean your HTML, this is one of those things about Google Docs that I talked about that's a little iffy. Google Docs includes all this HTML code in the background that you don't see. Okay, Things like span tags. And if you don't know what these are, don't worry about it. Just know there's, there's extra stuff in there you don't need. And when I've talked to Rob Waltz from Libsyn about using Google Docs in the Libsyn interface, he said some of that code has been known to disrupt people's feed that goes to iTunes. And so it's important if you're going to copy out of Word, if you're going to copy out of Google Docs, if you're going to copy anything that is clean HTML. It doesn't have all that extra stuff you don't need. So we will go to html-cleaner.com. We will copy our Google Notes. We'll paste it in. We'll hit clean. And it will take out all that code just like that. Then we copy it out, paste it into Libsyn, and it's clean code. Is that only if you're using HTML in your notes, or is that if you're using anything that's on Google Docs and cutting and pasting it over? Anything on Google Docs. It's anything in Word, too. Yeah, it's it's like behind the scenes. Say it again. Yeah, if you write it in WordPress and copy it over, I don't think you're going to have the same issues. Yeah. Right back here. No, no. The clean HTML thing does not take out your links. Now, what Rob suggested to me initially was copy and paste into a text editor, just like Notepad or something. But that's going to take out all your links that you just worked so hard to find. And so I was thinking, OK, if that's the only option, that means in Libsyn, I'm going to have to go back in and recreate my links and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, I can't do that, because that means I'm going to have to pay my writers more. I'm going to, you know, it just got crazy. And so I started searching, and there's this HTML cleaner. That just takes it all out, leaves my links, everything's good. Kyle. So I'm a one man band. Yeah, me too. A lot, of, a lot of scripting. So my scripting is usually used for my show notes. I'll go edit and scripting for that, add my edits and all that. So by scripting, you mean you write out a script for your show? Yeah, most okay. of it. And then I'll amp, amp, amp. Okay, sure. Sure. Like so what I've been doing though is I've been doing the summary in Libsyn. Yeah. I'm putting my full show notes on my WordPress website. So like. Whole show notes in the Libsyn? So, yeah, we need to define terms. You're, you're calling your script your show notes, correct? Right, I take my script, I make show notes out of it, add my topics, put in where the, what playhead number the actual topic takes place. Got it, got it, got it. Each chunk. Yeah. So, what, what I call show notes is whatever I'm wanting the public to see on my feed. 
Okay, so it's the summary paragraphs, the headers, the bullet point outline, all that stuff is part of the show notes. That's what we put into Libsyn. If we have clients who also include a transcript or also include longer notes, that's only on the website typically. I mean, you can do whatever you want to do. There's no rules about this. That's one of the things I love about podcasting. But in your feed, typically, if you keep in mind who's consuming your content and how are they doing that, it's usually on a smartphone app. They don't have time to sit there while they're listening on the treadmill to read your show notes. You know, they... Like a little eye icon on iTunes. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's going to be. That's like 10 10 sentences the most. Yeah. That's all I put in Libsyn. Right. And then in my words, my website, I put in the thousand. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And keep in mind on this too, whether you're hosting with Libsyn or Podbean or whoever, wherever your feed is coming from is what's going to go to that app. Okay. So there's a lot of people, for example, who use Blueberry PowerPress plugin on their website as their player and as the one that generates their feed. That's taking your website content and sending it to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're, you're wanting it to go. Okay. If you're using the Blueberry feed, that's what, where you want your show notes to be is on your website because it's taking the feed from your website. If you're hosting on Libsyn and you're using the Libsyn feed, it's going to send what you put on Libsyn to iTunes. So if you go through, if you listen to a podcast, for example, and you swipe over to the description to see the show notes and there's nothing there, it's because they're just using it as a feed and they're not putting any description on their feed address, wherever that is, whether it's Libsyn, Blueberry, whatever. They're just not including a description. So you have to, you have to be clear and, and ask me afterward if, if you want to know, well, where is my feed coming from? I don't remember. I set this up years ago. There's a free website you can go and just type in the name of your podcast and it'll tell you where your feed's coming from. I can give you that resource later. This might be a little techie then. No. If, if my first episodes don't have those, can I go back and do sure. that and reshoot sure. RSS feed out? Yeah. Yeah. If you, for, good question. Let's say your first episode, you didn't include any description on Libsyn, say, if that's where your feed's coming from. You can always go back, edit that episode, paste in new, new notes, whatever, whatever. And iTunes will eventually come back and reprocess that and pull it in. Or you can go to, I think it's called Podcasters Connect. You can push it to iTunes. You can go there, log in and say, refresh my feed. And it'll do it for you within the next 24 hours or so. This is a little bit techy, but I think everybody seems to be tracking. I see most people's. It's like evolved over time. It's like the first one was like a sentence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Go ahead. Looking at the iTunes feed and, you know, having the whole run on sentences, but that's the way they present it on iTunes. But when you use the iTunes app, podcasting app, it actually does break out the HTML. So, like, even though it looks terrible in iTunes, it actually looks good in the iTunes app. Yeah. Yeah, the app. Yeah. So you're sort of like you're sort of playing against you're sort of like okay, it looks bad here, but it looks great, but it's ninety percent. Yeah, for a company that's all about user experience, (laughs) iTunes really stinks. I mean, I cannot believe they haven't fixed that yet, but it's just one of the most user unfriendly apps I've ever ever dealt with. So was there another question back there, Larry? Well, I was just gonna ask you that you know people always talk about transcribing and transcribing transcribing. Yeah. Yeah. What I found is I take my iPhone with the notes that I have what I call a little shotgun microphone on it, put it up as we're talking. Just putting it in there. You email it to yourself, copy it, and then like you guys, Strickland said, Doug said, and you got it over there. So it's like a transcript? It's a yeah, it's it's a note that you get it on your iPhone. 
And yeah. the, the little shotgun microphone I use is about 20 bucks. I put it in there as we're talking, and this thing's taking everything that we're talking about. What's recognition? Yeah. Like you can do that in Google Docs. Yeah, you can do it in Google Docs as well. Yeah. 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 Now keep in mind, if you do that, it's not going to be perfect. You're going to have to go through and change some things and maybe even re-listen because you can't quite tell what it was trying to say. But it's better than nothing. Okay. And the only reason I even suggest transcriptions to clients is if you're trying to drive SEO juice to your website. It's more words, more content for Google to, to spider and crawl, and, and maybe it'll help you in SEO. Some guys or gals that we work with swear by their transcripts. Transcriptions say my, my following really wants this. And so they'll include it as a download, like a PDF download. So that's, that's not an SEO question. That's a user question. Okay. My experience is those are the rare clients that they're following really wants the transcription. All right, let's move on. Now, another thing we do after we create our show notes is we repurpose them for social media. If you have not learned the word repurpose, learn the word repurpose. That means using what you've already created in multiple ways to help your, your brand, okay? So every client that we serve, we're gonna repurpose their show notes into social media resources. And here's how we do it. First, we take what's in Grammarly and we paste it back into our website. In Grammarly, we've corrected all of our grammar mistakes, okay? So we want the corrected version, not the old one that was messed up. So we're gonna copy and paste out of Grammarly back into our website. And let me say here too, I don't paste into Grammarly links Things like that because Grammarly will rip out your, your links. Okay, so if you've got links, you just got to be aware of that. Grammarly is not going to keep your links. So just be aware of that. And then the next thing we're going to do is I'm going to copy all the paragraphs. This is in my Google Doc. Okay, I'm going to copy my five summary paragraphs and my five summary headers. I'm going to go to the bottom of my post where this is like a for our use only section. And I'm going to paste them all in again. And then I'm going to reformat them for Facebook, LinkedIn, Google+, Twitter, all of that stuff. For example, I'm going to take that first summary paragraph and I'm going to go through and put hashtags that are relevant for that summary paragraph. And then I'm going to schedule that in on my, my social media accounts, okay? And I've got some resources here as well. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. All right, hashtag research. We use a, a site called hashtagifyme. Hashtagify.me. You can go in there. You can put in just a basic keyword like... Uh, women in business, for example, hit search, and they have different different uh, graphical formats you can look at. There's one that's like a pie chart with all these spider things out from it. I don't use that one. I use there's another one where it just shows you search volume. Okay, so how much is that hashtag being used? And you'll not only see that particular keyword phrase, you'll see a bunch of others that relate to it. Okay, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna take a quick scan of that list, and then I'm gonna go back to my paragraphs. And I'm going to hashtag anything that's on that list because it's going to help me. People are searching for those things, okay, using hashtags. So I'm going to use that in my social media blurbs. I'm going to use that in my tweets also, okay? So those headers that I created earlier that I wanted to write out as tweets, you know, like, like tweets. I'm going to use hashtagifyme and go through those headers and put hashtags. In my opinion, I don't, I don't really know what the stats are on this. I think you can overdo it with hashtags, especially in places like Facebook, you know, someone writes a paragraph and it's got 70 hashtags in it. I'm not going to read it. It's just irritating. But if they've got three or four, 
I'm going to read it. If it's appealing and if it's interesting, I'll, I'll continue reading. That won't throw me off. So be careful about hashtags, but also understand they are powerful. Someone mentioned that earlier this morning about in Instagram and places like that. Hashtags really are powerful. So, so don't underestimate that. And then this is one of the most overlooked or underutilized approaches that podcasters are guilty of, I think. In dealing with 30 clients, I, very few of them do this. And what I'm meaning is this. If you have a guest on your show, research their Twitter at name. And now on Facebook, Facebook gives everybody an at name. Okay, you can set that up yourself if you haven't done that yet. Okay, and you can usually see it under the profile picture right over here. It'll say at Carrion Green or whatever, whatever yours is. That's who you are on Facebook. So I research those for the guests that my clients have had on their shows. So that when I create these paragraphs and I create these tweets, I can also include the appropriate one, like for Facebook or for Twitter. And the reason I'm doing that is because when that post goes out on Facebook, it's going to tag them that this mentions you. And they're going to be more likely to re-share that, which ups your traffic, which ups your exposure, which helps you to get more notice. Okay? Very few podcasters do this. It just befuddles me. And I even have clients that I get on the phone and I talk to them about the importance of this, and they still don't do it. I think this is one of the biggest ways to get more traffic because you're not, you, I mean, think about it. You highlighted this great guest on your episode. They brought great content to your show. And you're not going to highlight them again on social media. Why? You should. It's not only going to make them look better, it's going to give you more people who listen to your show in the end. Kyle. Sources, resources you use for Sure. Here's, here's the way we'll, we'll research those app mentions. First of all, if the guest has a website, go to their website. They're usually going to have a link to Twitter or Facebook or whatever. If they don't, they're stupid. But Sure, sure. That's a good tip. Yeah, so if you're asking your guests ahead of time, what's your Twitter handle, what's your Facebook profile, blah, 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 you've got all that info. Okay, my clients don't provide that to me typically, so we have to go hunt for it. But it's really easy. Go to their website. There's the links. And so you open it up in Facebook, you open it up in Twitter, and it'll show you their actual handle on their page. So think of it in terms of copy and paste. You don't want to have to sit down and type in their name to find them. You just want to be able to do it right away. You know, you look it up once, use it five times in these five paragraphs. Use it five times in your tweets. You know, you're going to not duplicate your effort by doing it just by their at mention to begin with. Does that make sense? Okay, if we can't find them on their website, there are these aberrations out there, these people who, who don't include their social media connections on their own website. Go figure. You can just go to Google and put in Joe Blow on Twitter or Joe Blow on Facebook or whatever his name is, and providing they don't have a common name like Joe Blow or Bob Smith or whatever, you can usually find them within a minute. And you just verify it's them by looking at the profile and there's your information. Okay, it's really not all that hard. Now, there, I've had a few times where I just can't find the person. They just don't exist on Twitter, or they don't exist on Facebook, or whatever. Some people just have preferences about, I don't like that platform, I'm not going to use it. And they don't. So in that case, you know, you're out of luck. You just got to do the best you can. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and my 
my goal when I put an at mention on these things is not necessarily to make the at mention a comprehensible part of what I've written. I just want it to be there as a way to ding them and let them know I shared about them. So if it is a company profile, for example, it's like ABC Super Company or whatever, and that's their at mention, at ABC Super Company. I'm just going to tag that on the end of the thing. When it comes up on their page, they're going to go, oh, that's that podcast I was on. Boom, they're going to reshare. Okay? It doesn't matter if it makes sense in the, in the thing as long as it's at the end. Then we're going to schedule it to social media, and I just have a bunch of resources here for you. Our company does not actually do the scheduling. We provide the content to our clients, and they will do the scheduling, because I don't want logins to all their social media accounts, and I just don't. That's a headache I don't need. Hootsuite, you're probably familiar with Hootsuite. Buffer. Agora Pulse is one I've become familiar with lately. Apparently is a pretty good program. I've never used it. Meet Edgar and eClincher are the ones that really have my attention right now, and here's why. Meet Edgar is the more expensive of the two, so understand that. Both of these will give you the ability to put in every social media profile page group that you own or have access to, okay? That's a big deal. Some of these others, it's limited. You can do three or five or something like that. These also will enable you to set up what I consider to be like a hopper of content. So everything you put in there, you can schedule out. And then if you, for some reason, are gone for a week and you don't schedule anything or whatever, it'll go back into your hopper and pull out things again and keep posting things for you. To me, this is massively important for podcasters because you have great content in episode number four that was 700 episodes ago that is just languishing in internet obscurity. But if you can be repurposing that over and over and over throughout time, you get more downloads, you get more exposure, your guest gets another thing. And, and remember, if you put those app mentions in, he's going to get dinged again in a month and a half that he was mentioned again. And he's going to go, oh, yeah, that's that podcast I did two years ago. I'm going to share that again. That was a good conversation. I mean, you see the magic of this? So these two in particular, I think Agora Pulse might do that, but I'm not sure. But those two are really cool platforms because they help you just reuse content. And I, and I know in both of, both of these two, anyway, Edgar and E. Clincher, you can also set up multiple hoppers. So one that has to do with, I mean, let's just say you're doing a, biz, a business show that focuses on different kinds of investing, okay? You can do a hopper that's real estate investing. You can do a hopper that's stock market investing, a hopper that's buying mortgage notes, you know, whatever. And you can set those out to go individually to different pages at different times that you own. That kind of stuff. You're doing it one time. And in all of these, you can put it all in a spreadsheet and import bulk. So you can create all and just add to your spreadsheet. And if you use a, a, a service like Zapier or If Then, Then That, If This, Then That, you can automate things so that when a new row is added to your spreadsheet, it'll include it in these things. I mean, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can do the same thing on eClincher. Yeah. It's cheaper. It's it's like twenty bucks a month cheaper. And it does pretty much the same thing. So Yeah. Yeah. Now let let me go back for a second. I realize that I kinda 
did a rocket ride through our show notes writing process. And I want to go back and tell you how we do that to make it easier. Okay, that when we do that high speed listen, the first thing we do is the bullet point outline. Timestamp bullet point outline. Because we're creating a summary for ourselves of what's in the episode. We're also capturing the timestamp so that if we have a question about it later when we're writing our, our notes, our actual summary paragraphs, we can go back and listen again real quick. Go right to the timestamp and listen to it again. Go, oh yeah, that's what they said about that. And when we're writing that timestamp bullet point outline, we're paying close attention to what's being said, just listening real intently, so that our next step, we can write our summary paragraphs. And sometimes as I'm writing the bullet point outline, I'll realize, oh, this bullet point would make a great summary paragraph. I'll just go up above my bullet point outline real quick and write a quick sentence, reminding myself I'm going to write a paragraph about this, and I'm going to write a paragraph about this. That's how we do it. We're also listening as we're doing the bullet point outline for links that are mentioned, for resources, people, if you want to tag people. Okay, all those kinds of things. Yet you kind of have to learn to multitask. But like I said, my team now can do a 45-minute show in about 55 to 65 minutes and have it completely finished. That's including posting on the website, posting on Libsyn, everything. You have to dedicate yourself to this. But my team does five or six of these a day, so they get really practiced. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it has been done, and I don't know that it can be done technologically because it's so many different websites you're dealing with. It's so, I mean, Rob from Libsyn might have some idea from the Libsyn side of things. How many people actually swipe to the description and click on links in the description? He may, he may have stats that show that, but I don't know of a way to do it on your website. Yeah. Yeah, Google Analytics will show you you know, you got this many visitors today, and they either searched this keyword or clicked on this link from this place, from show notes, from this source, like Libsyn or whatever. So, yeah, tells you where they come from. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, audio is not searchable. So, if you're wanting people to find you who are not being referred or haven't seen you somewhere, you want to be able to do that optimized post on your website to draw people in. And we can talk more about the keyword research part of it you know, when we're done here if you want, because there is some savvy to that you have to learn. It's not hard, but you have to know certain things in order to do it well. Yeah, and let me say a word about images too. We do include images if our clients provide images for us. You want your image name to have your keyword phrase in it, and you also want the alt tag of your image to have your keyword phrase in it. And here's the reason why. Go on Google, go to the little images option, and type in a keyword phrase. So and you'll the name of your image? The name of your image needs to include your keyword phrase. Even though your, your image is not, uh, geez, the word comes from, so if it's a screenshot, let's say, you have to change that to? Change it to screenshot of keyword phrase, or something like that. And the, and the reason is, no, but, but here, here's, here's why. If you go on Google, go to the images thing, search for that keyword phrase, look at all the images that pop up. And if your image is catching, appealing, relevant to that topic, people are going to go, oh, I wonder what this is. They click on it, 
It's going to show your website. It's going to show the page. Name of your image that you're just like uploading from your computer. You can the, the file name. I know you can change that. Yeah, I'm with that. But that is important. That is important. That is important. And the, and the alt tag as well. Because when you search on Google Images, that's what it's going to search, is the name of the image. Yeah. I mean, you need to think in terms of search engines. I mean, Google is a text search engine, but it's also an image search engine. And for instance, I'm looking for images a lot to put on websites. And so I go to Google and I look under the parameters, you know, free to reuse and blah, blah, blah. So I'm, get, I'm being ethical about it. And so I put in the keyword phrase I want, images, they're free to reuse, and it pulls up all these images. Well, I look at one and I go, man, that looks really interesting. And I click on it and this person suddenly got somebody interested in their content because of an image. Well, there you have it, my presentation on the triple power of killer show notes from DC PodFest 2016. I hope that was helpful to you. I am totally open to answering questions you might have about the PFT process and the things we do and why we do them. So I realized there were some sections in there where people ask questions. It may not have been as easy for you to understand the question, but I hope from my response, you got the context of that. But if you have any questions about any of this, Please don't hesitate to contact me. You can reach me at Kerry, C-A-R-E-Y, at podcastfasttrack.com. And just a couple of more things before I let you go. If you would like to have someone else do this whole show notes mess for you, that's why Podcast Fast Track exists. I would love to give you a quote. You can go to our website and request a quote, or you can email me at the email address I just gave you. And just tell me some details about your show, average length, number of episodes per month, what degree of audio editing you want, if you want audio editing, and I can send you back a quote specific to your show. And one last thing I want to pass on to you is, as you can tell, I speak at events. So if you are interested in having me come and present this presentation about the killer power of show notes or about podcasting in general, all kinds of phases, you can imagine working with 30 plus clients. I've had a lot of experience dealing with a lot of different issues, so I would love to talk to you if you're looking for a speaker for your podcast event or even a business event. I do speaking on business topics as well. You can reach me at Carrie at podcastfasttrack.com. And one last thing, I'm going to embed the slideshow for this particular session that I did on the show notes page for this episode. You can find it at podcastfasttrack.com slash triple power. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to me. Now go make it a podcastificating day. This show is brought to you by Podcast Fast Track, where my team provides professional podcasting services without the time suck. Full production, editing, and show notes all in one monthly subscription package. You can find out more at podcastfasttrack.com. Now go out and make it a podcastificating day. Audio editing and show notes by podcastfasttrack.com. Get 15% off your first month by mentioning this show.